You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Basketball has officially entered the second half of the season. And this is the time for teams to prove if they are contenders or pretenders. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Get in on the action now to claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. The New York Knicks are one of the biggest underdog surprises of the season, so you could probably make some money off the backs of players like R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and Julius Randle. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 36, as the New York Rangers beat the New York Islanders to kind of stay relevant in this whole Metro, I don't even know what division, the Mass Mutual Division playoff race. Uh, Huge win, huge two points after a tough loss against the Pittsburgh Penguins in what we call the must-win game, but... It was uh, a wedding weekend New York Rangers split for me, so I'm feeling good. Uh, Andy, I got to ask you, how are you doing? I'm doing good, but I'm definitely not doing as good as you. I mean, not to put words in your mouth, but listen, the Rangers, huge victory uh, on your wedding day, which is awesome for you. The New York Knicks, gritty come from behind victory on your wedding day. And then James, you know, pulling out the ultimate W and tying the knot. Uh, to his beautiful wife, and yeah, man, I it was a, a weekend of positives all around. Not obviously not a lot to complain about, and uh, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get into all of it. Yeah, no, I mean, first, I guess I'll talk a little bit about the wedding. It was, you know, unbelievable for the current climate and the way things have been going the past year to be at this point and to be able to have a wedding and not only have it but have it in a in a way in which um, it, you felt safe. I mean, the amount of people that have been vaccinated that already had COVID that just felt comfortable being there. I mean, you know, towards the end there, it, you know, it went from like, it felt like the last two months went from like a 50%, you know, vaccine rate to like almost like an 85% vaccine rate for the people at the wedding. So just having just having that in like in the back of your mind, I think put a lot of people at ease and just, you know, uh, you know, overall just unbelievable to be able to pull it off and for it to go as flawlessly as it did. And it was just a perfect weekend. And, um, you know, I guess I can't say too perfect because we're one Pittsburgh penguin loss, (laughs) you know, uh, away from being completely perfect, but I'll take the Islanders win. Certainly. Um, 
you know, I'm glad the Rangers were able to get a W for us. Yeah, man. And like I said, to your point about it being not so perfect, uh, it's funny. This team has, it's been up and down for them. They're a young team. So obviously we've spoken ad nauseum about how inconsistent they've been. But I think even more so than the victory the other day against the Islanders, I think the most promising thing was just what we're seeing out of the younger players, out of uh, Lafreniere, how he's looking now, how Kako's looking now, how Heedle's looking now, how Ke'Andre Miller's looking now. And now all of a sudden you have your kids contributing sometimes, you know, because early in the season it was, yeah, they were kind of feeling their way out and the top six was... Well, obviously, earliest in the season, the whole team was out of sorts, right? Because with between everything that was going on, Panarin and Mika's slow start and with the COVID and just everything, it was, yeah, it just kind of felt like the kids were passengers along for the ride trying to figure it out. But now all of a sudden you have Vitaly Kraftsov, who is finally with the team, who is dangerous every time he's on the ice and on the right side of the puck and forechecking and adding a great element to that fourth line. Lafreniere finally his last few games have been his best. He's looking, he's playing with confidence. He's forechecking much heavier. He's much more uh, active and uh, Kako and really has established himself as a, a two way threat and a great forechecker. And obviously he with his speed and the fact that even though he doesn't have the best vision, he is, yeah, he's making the most out of his talent and finding his line mates, especially just by simplifying things. And yeah, even Keandre Miller, who it's been up and down for him. He comes out of the gate hot. You see the promise. And then obviously he's got a few hits, a little bit of a wall and has struggled at times. But you see the flashes of his confidence and the fact that no matter if he has a couple of bad shifts, he still aims to use his skill and his feet to create. And just seeing how he has developed on develop, you know, in his own end, just he's starting to learn how to use his feet and that long stick to you know, snuff out chances or if he's in a board battle to win them. And the fact that, you know, these, these kids are all so young, man, you know, cause I know sometimes we've been, it's especially a big portion of the Rangers fan base has been like, Oh, that, you know, like what's going, you know, development problems and this, and that, but you see them start to come on and you realize like, Oh man, you can finally conceptualize what this team will look like in two years. And it can be flat out dominant. Cause I mean, when they're, when they're hitting this season, they're, they're putting up, you know, four plus to eight, anywhere from four to eight goals on their opponents. You know what I mean? Obviously, yes, the playoffs are a different animal when things tighten up, but just the the raw potential of this team is sky high, you know? And yeah, I mean, it's that, that to me, even more so than the win, just seeing these young kids start to be contributors to this team. And when everyone is pulling the same rope, it's, yeah, it's a scary proposition for the rest of the league. Yeah, man. And, you know, I know it's just like a little snippet of the game, but if you just looked at the, you know, the Islanders and, you know, Rangers last game, the scorecard, and you see the first goal, the second period, obviously the first period was 0-0, but you see Alexis Lafreniere uh, assisted by Kako and Hedl. And it's like, you look at that and you're like, oh my God, like that's, that's like what we want. That's what we're looking for. That's like every New York Rangers fan dream goal right now is to see that line produce. And then, you know, um, you know, you just look at this game overall and you just look uh, look at like who contributed, right? And you have Colin Blackwell who's been, you know, just Mr. Reliable almost. Like whenever you kind of need a big goal, he he seems the one to find it. He's got 12 on the season, uh, assisted by Panarin and Strom. It's just like, you know, you know, for a player like that to step up, it's exactly what you need in a year in which, you know, a team might struggle because they don't have the players with the experience and stuff like that. And, and Colin Blackwell is certainly making a name for himself, you know, on this New York Rangers team. And, you know, as much as you love the younger kids, you know, I do love the gritty, you know, maybe slightly older guys who, you know, need to prove themselves and prove themselves in this NHL. And, uh, you know, they take every advantage of the opportunity, you know, given now Colin Blackwell, I guess he's now playing, going to be playing with Panera and Strom. Who knows? And then, you know, you kind of got, uh, you know, Ke'Andre Miller, you know, he had a blast from the point, uh, just a perfect low shot just to get it, you know, throw it on goal. You never know what happens. And, you know, uh, you love seeing Matt Martin kind of just shy away, let the puck go right through his legs. And, and then I believe it went right through the goalie's legs as well. So just a, a missile from Ke'Andre Miller, you know, get, you know, finding its way into the back of the net. 
assisted by Truba and Panarin. Like, you know, obviously Panarin, you know, 30 assists on the year. Unbelievable season so far. And then, you know, the final, you know, the final goal, you know, Mika Zibanejad getting his 14th of the year pretty much after having two halfway through the season. So just the the, the uptrend from, you know, Mika Zibanejad is, uh, you know, has been a huge turning point just for the New York Rangers in general. And then, you know, you look at, you know, Ke'Andre Miller stats, you know, just throughout the whole season and, you know, what a, you know, product he's been to, you know, pencil into our lineup as Mr. Consistency all year round. And, you know, the, for the amount of bad games that you could say Ke'Andre's had, it's honestly no more or less than probably any player in the National Hockey League. And then, you know, you have, uh, you know, Panarin, who, you know, after a slow start, I think with the as the Strom line, you know, took a couple games to get going, Strom and Panarin have been unbelievable. And now, like you said, you have the kid line who's just, you know, they look like a different line from the beginning of the season. I just think in terms of maybe confidence, maybe their ability uh, to get just find comfort in playing, you know, this division over and over again, learning their opponents and being able to adapt and change and, and kind of, you know, you know, learn, learn themselves, uh, you know, a role in this NHL, in an NHL game. Sorry, I'm going flipping all over the place here. Uh, you know, it's just like, I'm so gassed up right now. It's, it's, it's such a treat to watch this team, uh, develop, uh, you know, as much as they had. And, to, and just like to be able to beat the Islanders who, you know, everyone's right now penciling into, win the East, can they be stopped? You know, the best coach uh, maybe in the National Hockey League. Huge trade for them. And, uh, you know, I kind of want to ask you, you know, that also, you know, to see the Devils and Islanders make a big trade like that, what, you know, what does that say to you, uh, not just for the Islanders, but for the Devils also? I mean, listen, I definitely think Palmieri and Zajac are two of their more solid players that I think in terms of, I think it's the right move by New Jersey because keep getting those assets. Uh, I don't think they, I think it maybe sets them a little bit farther back on their timeline, but ultimately I think it's still the right move from where they're at probably. Um, Cause yeah, let's face it. Zajac was the longest tenure devil on that team and he's still a pretty good middle six, you know, defensive player, uh, good penalty killer. And then, Palmieri was is still a good, you know, second to first line, you know, score who can produce offense and is still a good skater. So, I mean, they're definitely going to miss him. And it's but I think it's ultimately still the right move with how old those two guys are. And yeah, just the what they need to, you know, they need some talent. And, you know, and like I said, by the time they're probably ready, those guys would be past their expiration date it seems like so yeah i think it's the right move but obviously a tough one for them as far as it goes for the islanders i mean it makes sense i guess lou it's definitely a good value only giving up a first for those two uh you know i forget if they had any retention but yeah i mean they definitely got the better end of that deal because i think what you know with when you're as old as that islanders team is i think yeah your window's open now you've one of the best coaches if not the best in the league. And yeah, you got to take your swing. So I definitely think it was smarter to, because, you know, there was, there was talks that Hall could have bit went to them. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he probably, you don't know what he would cost, but I know obviously I think that they would have got him if they felt that it was price appropriate. But, you know, if you can give, get those two for a first, you know, cause last year Paul, there was talks of Palmieri potentially being traded and it was just a first for him. That was the price. Obviously the market's different this year with COVID, the flat cap teams a little bit more reticent to make moves and make changes. Um, but that's great value for the Islanders. And, you know, they're familiar with both players, uh, at least Lou is. And yeah, I mean, I think it was a good move by them. It sounds like, you know, they're only, listen, they're only been with the team for four games now. And it sounds like they haven't really uh, shown, they haven't fit in as seamlessly maybe as there was, you know, they thought, cause the Islanders are in a little bit of a slip right now, but um, yeah, I think ultimately one they will too, that will prove their value to that team come playoff time. Right. But I, you know, again, the Islanders having trouble scoring and especially in the power play generating anything. So you do wonder if ultimately maybe a Taylor Hall 
could have been maybe it's you know maybe it's one of those things where that change of scenery and his offensive skill set even if he struggled this year that he could ultimately have been uh, a more valuable piece to them because that's where they really struggled the most especially with Andrews Lee gone they're kind of starved for scoring goals and yeah that was kind of what you thought why they were contenders this year because they seem to early on have kind of figured out the whole we can't we can defend but we can't score thing but now they're kind of slipping back because yeah listen at the end of the day you look at the Rangers and you look at the Islanders and the Rangers even though they struggle with their structure which the Islanders never struggle with they can they have so much natural talent and skills that when things break down they can just create and they can especially when things are teams are a little wide open they can just destroy you in transition because they can find each other you know, almost anywhere on the ice, which is great. But at the same time, you know, what that they leave themselves exposed a lot. So, but, and they're learning They're you know, just this season, they're a much better defensive team, five on five, they're a top five penalty killing team in the NHL. So they're figuring it out where the Islanders, it's a little bit harder to suddenly just learn how to score goals, you know, based on your talent, especially when you're playing a defensive system that might, although it'll, you know, insulate your goaltender, it probably starves your team from offense a little bit anyway. So you have to have an occasional game breaker because Matt Barzell has been excellent this season, but he can't do it all, you know? No, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's really, it's actually pretty interesting to see, you know, because the Islanders are obviously going for it. Like you said, their their age, their experience, the the personnel. I mean, they're built to make a deep run in the playoffs once again. And, you know, try to get over the hump and win the Stanley Cup. Uh, adding, you know, adding those two players is obviously huge for them. But it also says a lot, you know, about the Devils. And, you know, the Devils, you know, I always kind of saw the Devils as being maybe a year or two behind us. But, you know, looking at both our teams and just, you know, look how lucky we got getting Alexis Lafreniere and Kako back-to-back years. I still think, like, we're kind of... we're. We're very much ahead of the New Jersey Devils, like almost like two to three, oh, yeah. two to three years ahead, um, given, you know, just the, the draft luck we've had. But, you know, I also wanted to, you know, ask you a little bit because I saw the Columbus Blue Jackets trade and what are these players kind of getting now? Like the first I feel like a first round pick this year is kind of getting you a lot in this league uh, right now. And people are giving up that first round pick. Now, do you see the Rangers as buyers or sellers? Because I don't know if they're going to do a single thing. Yeah, I think it's this is season, especially for them. They're probably either stand pat or if, you know, let a guy, a guy, especially with Kravtsov now and trying to make some room and the expansion draft looming. I think it's just you, if any, you know, if anyone gets cashed in from the Rangers or it gets, it's, they're not going to buy anything. And if they sell it, it's going to be a guy who ultimately, it's gonna. It's not gonna make much of a difference. It's just whatever, you know. I could see a DiGiuseppe, uh, potentially a Rooney, a Batetto, you know, one of these those guys type that move. D'Angelo obviously is still technically property of the team, so maybe a team is if a team is like needs some help and they're willing to whatever take on the optics of what that looks like. Then yeah, then him him as well. But that's really it. You know, they and honestly, they shouldn't do anything. It's like definitely don't buy. I mean, unless miraculously there is a player made available who has is younger and has some term. I don't know, like a change of scenery type of trade. But yeah, I mean, other than that, it's like because you know, I don't know. It's like, well, what do you think? Like a Colin Blackwell would get? Oh well, that's the thing though. Colin, you know, if a guy who's on a, a damn near thirty goal, twenty you know twenty eight goal pace who makes league minimum is can be very attractive. Right? Could you could you get a second round pick for a Colin Blackwell? I mean, just nothing to sniff at. No. At at the same time, it's like you. I do think that's the type of player that you have to, uh, you know, maybe that's the type of player that you have to at least negotiate with and see what he could be looking for. You know what I mean? Cause I think you have to get a number for, I don't know how much, how much longer he's on this current contract. Is it is a one year? Like, I don't know if they signed to a one year deal. I, I think it's probably a one year deal. Yeah. It's probably up after the season, but at the same time, it's like, if you can have that production, cause you know, you, you understand that at a certain point, Vitaly Kravtsov can't be playing on the fourth line. Uh, I mean, unless I, and I say this a big, unless, unless you are willing to put Blackwell 
with Kravtsov and one other person, like a Gautier on the fourth line and change up it from being a traditional Brett Howden, you know, Rooney checking line and making it just yet another skill line, which can happen, you know, that can, as long as your team is playing a, you know, if you look at the Tampa team that won the cup last year, technically they had that third line and it was technically a checking line, but it wasn't a checking line in the the sense that it was, uh, you know, the, the, the Martin, Matt Martin, Casey Sezikis, Clutterbuck, crash and bang type line, you know, because it was guys who had skill, but they were just fast, faster on bucks. And listen, Blackwell is all effort. He's been good this season. He deserved every bit of his success this season. You see him hustling. He's got just enough skill to recognize and smarts to recognize open, like dangerous ice. And he takes it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing because it's right now, I think the one thing is you have Vitaly Kraftsoff who could probably earn is earned a little bit more ice time, but how do you get it to him? And I think, and you obviously, the problem is Blackwell might be ahead of him. Well, well then maybe you're, you rolled the balance, you balance the, especially now with the, the third, the kid line starting to find some success, you kind of just balance your ice time and your lines. And I think that might ultimately benefit this team the most is that kind of even up the ice time. If you feel like everyone can contribute and make sure that fourth line is not just your, whatever your seven minute a night line, you know, who also kills penalties, you know? So yeah, they have options, but again, you, if you can get a second for, for Rooney, excuse me, for Blackwell, that's obviously great value. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know if you can get them back on the, for a million next year, like, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really looked into his, his analytics, and maybe this is just a flash in the pan because this happens all the time too. In fair, and I will say that in fairness, you have a guy. It's like, oh, you know, this borderline, you know, uh, AHL forward who comes in and has been a career journeyman. All of a sudden, like pops, and they're like, this is the year. And then the next season comes around, and they they just turn back into a pumpkin. It happens all the time, right? So there's a little bit of fear there, but at the same time, you know, the eye test seems to work out he's, and he seems to hustle and the teammate team really likes him and he's just scoring goals and putting himself in good position. So yeah, I guess you feel the market, but to your, to our point before, it's like the Rangers should probably just stand pat, especially with all the money they have coming off the books next year. That will, you know, and obviously the summer knowing if what, who will be out there, or especially if they go after a bigger fish, like an Eichel or a Barkov or, you know, What's up, y'all, and greetings from the hockey city of Smashville, home of the Nashville Predators, and home to a new hockey podcast, the Catfish and Ice Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Join hosts Chad Benton, Rich Howe, and Colin Bluen every week as we bring to you hard-hitting and unfiltered Nashville Predators hockey analysis, while also diving into the entertainment and music world here in Music City. We have a lot of fun doing it, now is the time to join us for the ride, hockey fans. New episodes of the Catfish and Ice podcast every Tuesday and Friday. Download the Catfish and Ice podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm all about trading Blackwell. I mean, if you, you, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. It's like, what can you actually truly expect from this kid? you know, season after season. I mean, is this a flash in the pan? Is his success almost like a compound effect in terms of, you know, he has a little bit of success on the fourth and third line, gets promoted and, and can play second line minutes. And, you know, anyone who's, you know, playing with Panera and Strom right now will, will numbers will be inflated. So, you know, last year with the Nashville Predators, he had uh, 27 games played, three goals, seven assists um, for 10 points. So not the worst in the world, <clears throat> but, you know, he wasn't a guy who would bounce around from the AHL to the NHL. So, uh, you know, he's given this golden opportunity to kind of be this, you know, workhorse for a team in which, uh, you know, is coached by uh, Quinn, who's very much about, you know, you know, if you're working hard and doing all the right things, I'm going to reward you with ice time. So he's taken full advantage of that opportunity and he's made the most of it. I mean, the end of the day, the guy's putting the puck in the back of the net. He's got 12 goals, I think 12 more goals than what any anybody else would pencil him for. Uh, you know, he's always kind of like that spark plug. And, you know, you know, I know like this is crazy. We're three quarters of the way through the season and we're talking about Colin Blackwell and whether or not we can get a second round pick for him or should we sign him once again? Because, you know, he's a guy that's on pace probably for, you know, 20, 25 goals and then maybe an 82 game season. So. 
it's uh it's kind of wild just like how these names pop up out of nowhere and you know in a year where you expected Kako and Lafreniere and you know to kind of you know take the reins as like our new 20 25 goal scorer it's not it's you know Colin Blackwell so uh you know good on him uh you know uh, obviously if, if whatever the Rangers do with him I'll probably you know stand by it because you know, like you said, I mean, if you can get him basically for league minimum next year and he's not a flash in the pan, then, you know, you struck gold. And uh, that's exactly, you know, a player you're going to need uh, as, uh, you know, the Rangers look to sign, you know, some of our young guns to, you know, longer term contracts and bigger contracts. So, um, you know, just looking at this team right now, 19 and 16, three, ga- three games over 500, 43 points. And if you look at, you know, in any other division right now, um, maybe besides the central where we'd only be two, you know, two points out of a playoff spot, we're pretty much in the playoffs in every other, uh, I guess St. Louis had a big win last night. So they're at 44 points, but, and we'd be tied with Montreal with 43 points. So, you know, the Rangers are right there. I mean, you could say we're a victim of our division, but, you know, uh, comparatively speaking, you know, we are a middle of a pack playoff team in, in the rest of the league so and the um, youngest team in the league to boot so and, yeah and the youngest team in the league and you know granted I know you know we have Buffalo and, and even, even New Jersey even though we haven't played really New Jersey uh you know all eight games yet but I don't know Andy I I'm you know I was told uh this weekend by Pat who you know he goes you're too optimistic basically with this team on the podcast and you got to be more of like a realist but the truth is like with the roller coaster season that the New York Rangers have had, right? And, you know, they're talking about, you know, the Flyers being like, you know, the shock of the league not making the playoffs, right? And they're just like, you know, kind of free falling down the standings after I think they were in first place for a few games there. But um, you know, the Rangers right now, you kind of have to look at them as an over they're overachieving, right? Yeah. I I definitely look at it that way. And listen, I think even on this podcast, we've been overly optimistic and overly negative. And this is kind of part of fandom taking over. But I think at the end of the day, we just said it, they're the youngest team in the league. And if you look at the average age of all the, the Stanley Cup winners, there's of the past, I don't know, forever, like they're all older teams, you know what I mean? Uh, right. You know, give or take a, an average age of a couple of years. But ultimately, they're, you know, if you're really asking yourself, if if at the end of the season it's like they missed out on the playoffs, but they finished fifth, maybe a couple points back of the team that snuck in at four. And you also look at that in some of the other divisions, they would have made the playoffs. I mean, that's a win. You know what I mean? It sucks probably if you, it's going to stink if you're that close and you just can't get in, especially because it's looking like no matter how good they are, it's just they're kind of outpaced a little bit, barring a fall off by Boston or, or Pittsburgh or something, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's clear. Listen, it's like clearly not their time, but they're clearly growing into the shoes that, or, you know, that big, they're the, the, the shadow cast by the expectation is large, but they seem to be growing into it. And I mean, you also realize that you look at, it kind of goes unnoticed, but the fact that Hartford is a, the Wolfpack are a much improved team this year. You know, I think Tyroning is lighting it up for them this year. Morgan Barron has already become their number one center and is a point per game player in the AHL. These are player, you know, maybe not so. I don't know about Tyroning, but Morgan Barron is going to get a cup of coffee up here sooner rather than later. Uh, Tarmo Reuninen was pretty good in his little audition here. Goes back down, continues to be an offensive presence down there. And you consider that, you know, this is without Zach Jones, who who just won a national championship uh, with you know the UMass with the Minutemen. Um, and Braden Schneider and Matthew Robertson, who are both, you know, having excellent seasons in the WHL now that's back up and running. And, and yeah, it's just the Rangers are still have so many young prospects and, and probably too many in that sooner or later, some of them are going to have to get flipped for those pieces that kind of do put you over the top. You know, you get you maybe you get the guy who's a little bit older, but has can stabilize your lineup because you're getting a known commodity. You know what I mean? They clearly already have all this you know they have so much raw talent right now and but it's just not time to get those guys yet but next season who knows where they'll be at and you know what type you know what steps each player is going to take especially if they look now they're starting to look this good now you know what i mean so 
I just think it's one of those things where sometimes player, you know, people are too, maybe too quick. Like they have high expectations, which are good, but at the same time, if they don't hit, it's like this team, you know, you can be disappointed, but you can, I don't know if you can really say this team is like underachieving or disappointing. Cause yeah, I don't think, I think outside of maybe optimistic Rangers fans who are like, we have just have the first and second overall, you know, these last two seasons, I think most people in this league are like, yeah, the Rangers are going to be bottom, bottom two in their division. And they're clearly fighting and they're one of the teams that are in the mix. So, and on any given night, they can lay six or more goals on some of the better teams in that division. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know if you want more than that. I don't really know what to tell you. It just sucks. They won't make it. But at the same time, as long it seems to be positive in that locker room. And I think that's one of the real effects of having a kid like Lafreniere that even though he's struggling, he's smiling at the rink every day and hugging everyone is like when they get victories, he's like the biggest cheerleader. And that's that adds real value. You know what I mean? To this team that they seem to be coming together. And yeah, they're still even though maybe it's like tough for them and they're you know, as long as they're kind of in it, even if it's not realistic and they're pushing, that's all you could really hope for. Right. And, you know, I, just looking at this team and you got to be pleased with the kids so far. I know a lot of people, you know, just because it's not showing up on the stat sheet, you got to look at the big picture. Are they developing? Are they trending in the right direction? And the answer to that question is yes, obviously. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, you know, I don't want to bring up, you know, an, something negative after being so positive to start, uh, you know, podcast, <laughs> but. You know, there is one one thing like if I'm looking at this entire roster, right, and look how it's built, there's only one issue that I have with it. Right. And I kind of stick up for this guy and I've kind of given him a nickname uh, and it really it ha- hasn't hasn't really come into fruition yet because it's not uh, the Rangers haven't experienced it yet it yet. But Jacob Truba and his contract obviously is kind of, you know, is the worst contract on this on this hockey team right now. You know, if if playoff Truba is real, right, and and I bring him into existence, are you comfortable with that contract if he is a force to be reckoned with in the, in the playoffs? Yeah, and listen, he was good. Again, he's a gamer, uh, and he was good against the. He was one of the the better defensemen against the Isles. You know, because it's a rivalry game, and when he's engaged, he's good. It's just he's kind of like Kreider in that he's you know he's either on and he's good. Or he's not. And it's frustrating because obviously consistency is so important, especially for a team like this that lacks consistency because they're young. So it kind of almost it, it amplifies you're like, what is Truba doing? Why is he asleep at the wheel again? Why is he forcing these passes? But then again, you have these games where he's playing like his, you know, he's usually playing as a stay at home, whatever. I'm going to actually defer, give K Andre the puck to break out. And then there's games like, you see him trying to, he's beating Matt, Bar- or he's like going around the net and trying to outskate Matt Barzell and he's engaged and he's leaning on guys and giving them rough rides. And you're like, why can't we get this 82 games out of the year? You know, but yeah, but to your point, it, yeah, it's a, uh, unless that he brings that element consistently in the playoffs, which, and again, especially if you're a team that's not getting in the playoffs, obviously that looks ugly. You know, it's, uh, it makes that contract look real ugly. And same thing with Kreider. Like, listen, I'm, he was on. But he's once again, you know, outside of maybe taking away the goalie's eyes here and there, you know, he's kind of, is he really factoring in his lines? Right now, Buchnevich and, and Zabanjad are going better than he is. And in fairness, he was red hot there while those two were kind of ice cold. So, you know, that happens sometimes. But at the same time, it's the story of his career. So you have two guys, you have seven and eight million respectively a season committed to these guys for, for longer term. And they're not too old, but at the same time, Kreider's starting to creep up there, and you just have to wonder. It's like, yeah, those are the the two glaring. Like, is are these going to be albatrosses for this team down the line when they are finally ready? So, and yeah, we don't we don't really know how Kreider will hold up, and we again we don't know if Jacob Trouba will prove his true merit when every game is crunch time, you know. But yeah, until they obviously, especially when they're struggling to get into the playoffs as a young rebuilding team, yeah, it's going to look even even worse. Right. And, you know, I, I look at, you know, I look at Truba and, you know, I, th- I see a guy that has a ton of potential. I don't think we've seen, uh, you know, the height of his game in New York yet. And I think that that day will come, but it will come in the playoffs. Uh, you're 100 percent right. He's a different player when he's engaged, when he has to be physical, when the games get more physical, he's better. And you see that game more so in the playoffs in the regular season. Now, 
I think it's kind of, uh, you know, he was kind of exposed given his, you know, tenure in the NHL. He's one of the leaders on this hockey team. He's, you know, surrounded by a, a lot of young talent that's, you know, hungry uh, to be here and play and basically making no money. And everyone's looking at that contract, his stat line, his, you know, his every game play. And I think he's taken, you know, kind of a beating here. And, you know, I do want to stick up for him, but, you know, that is a massive contract. And that that's a contract of a number one defenseman. And when you have guys like Fox and, you know, Lindgren's going to have to, you know, make a little bit of coin if he, he continues in the direction he's heading. And then you have, you know, Keandre Miller and then you have Lindquist coming in. Like there's a bunch of things that the, you know, the Rangers all have to, you know, that the organization needs to look at. And, you know, I don't know, even if Jacob Truba is a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs, I think eventually, you know, push is going to have to come to shove and he he might be a, a player that they're going to have to be forced to buy out. And, you know, that, that'll be unfortunate and ugly, but um, yeah. the reality nonetheless. Yeah. And again, he is a little bit of a victim of circumstances because when he was acquired, the Rangers didn't have the glut of he was the best. Uh, he was the best defenseman on the market. Yeah. And listen, he I think he was also kind of a bit of a misunderstood player where, you know, he had a weird, uh, maybe an undeserved reputation as like a big burly guy, shut down guy who could also kind of put up points when he offensively, he was good in Winnipeg. But again, you know, if you're he's clearly not a better power play player than an Adam Fox. So you take away his his consistent power play time, you're, you're going to you're going to shave 20 points or so off of his season total you know what i mean and that's a it's a huge chunk and all of a sudden you look at the because even if he just didn't have the same success he was having in winnipeg at the time like if you were like well he's playing one first pairing minutes and he's a you know 30 point player on a season guy kind of guy and he plays on your first power play with his big booming slap shot and you know and he's not the most offensively gifted or defensively gifted but he's stout and he's like yeah like all right you can kind of say like it's a lot it's not a lot but he does a lot for us but you have Adam Fox now and you have all these young talents that off- offensively kind of limits what he can do especially with Keandre Miller and his you know he how good his shot is how many go- goals he's scoring i think he leads all defensemen uh, rookie defenseman and goal scoring now because he's got that great low slap sh- slap shot from the point where Truba has always kind of been a guy who you know he's never really scored he's more of a wrist shot from the point guy which or from the side guy which kind of works but uh yeah he's become kind of redundant in those roles which was the only, the main reason the Rangers were willing to shell out that money and now you have them but not for the roles you're you're basically paying him money for roles that have been overtaken by talented rookies so Again, you know, it's not his really fault. It's like, it's just not much he can do. But, you know, it's like he has to make that up in other ways. And by making sure when he's on the ice, you know, he's not getting scored on. But we've seen him have some real, he has his, those breakdowns that we know from him. But at the same time, we know we've also seen when in important games, when he's on and elevated, he's like one of their most stout and important players. And he makes life miserable when those, you know, some like Islanders forwards are trying to, bully maybe some of these younger weaker players and you see him just absolutely giving it to guys in the corner and breaking it out and just doing the things you want him to do and laying big hits and you know so uh yeah but you're right it's it that's the one contract that you really especially because the rangers have some are starting to develop more uh, better op- potential better options that he might have to be bought out and again the rangers that's what we don't want because you know this team has been saddled with buyouts for so long and it was looking like we were finally going to have a clean balance sheet but now you're looking down the road and you're saying this could this and potentially Kreider could be issues but until you know if i i still like you said we need to see what he really brings once this team is in the playoffs and playing important hockey because then uh yeah who knows maybe we can be singing a different tune yeah and you know uh Another defenseman I really want to talk about because I think he is also a guy that I can en- end up seeing traded uh, at the deadline is uh, Libra Hayek. Um, you know, I think looking at, you know, the amount of games he's played, 30, he's got a goal and assist for two points, but that's obviously not his role as, you know, the, the New York Rangers bottom pairing defenseman. But uh, a kid who, he, he's all right. You know, I, I don't you know, he's a a kid that obviously doesn't have a future as a New York Ranger, but, uh, you know, I think he's OK. Like, I think he's perfectly fine, yeah. uh, you know, as a bottom pairing defenseman, um, 
a great seventh defenseman for maybe a team who uh, <clears throat> maybe lacks in that department, but you know still feels like they have a shot of a Stanley Cup. So, what do you think of Lieber Hayek, and do you think he gets shipped off this year? Yeah, I mean, I'm not as high on Hayek as some other people. I listen, I love the skill set. He's a great skater, and when he's decisive, he's got good puck skills. I just, it's just one of those things where. You, you know, obviously you see the mental breakdowns on the ice with the eye test. And then you look at the, the analytics analytics and that he turns the puck over quite a lot and things play offensive plays seem to die on his stick. And listen, he's young. And like I said, he could maybe round out that skill set and get there. But, uh, you know, I just think that unfortunately, like, yeah, I don't know. Unfortunately, it's just one of those things where I was hoping to see some development from him you know, he failed to keep his spot in the Czech league earlier this year for some of the similar things. And then, you know, he, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I'm just, I haven't seen the development on the, the game sense side that leads me to believe he can be anything more than a, you know, a seventh to in a pinch third pairing guy. And just, and maybe on some teams that would be okay, but I just, again, it's frustrating because he's another guy kind of like prior that you see the natural skating and the puck skills when he's got time and space, but he panic. He literally handles the puck like a grenade when he's pressured and he makes terrible decisions. And, you know, he's, yes, he's still young, but he hasn't those things. I haven't seen that side of his game develop. I, hell, I've even seen Keandre Miller as a 21 year old. I've seen him sort, you know, sort of figure out like, Oh, I can't do that. You know, cause he was forcing a lot of more plays earlier you know, and just recovering because he's so freakishly good and, and long and, and good skater. But yeah, Hayek is not, doesn't have the same supreme abilities that Keandre does. And I, yeah, I just think ultimately he's a guy you expose to either be taken uh, in the expansion draft to kind of deflect from some of your other players or hell, even if you can get something for him, you know, but um, you know, that's the thing. I think with the, the amount of guys coming up, it's like between Nils Lungfist and and Zach Jones and the fact that Truba's locked in his contract, you know, Fox and Lindegren and, and Miller aren't going anywhere. Yeah, and no. Truba's not going anywhere. So that leaves two spots. And you're, are you going to tell me that uh, if you, if you're going to ask me over the next few seasons is, will Libor Hayek be better than any one of Matthew Robertson, uh, you know, Nils Lundqvist, Tarmo Reunion and Braden or Braden Schneider. And like, yeah, and Zach, you know, I don't know if I mentioned that, but it's like, I don't know, man. I don't think so, you know? Well, hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, you. that's the worst case scenario if he's yeah. somehow better than all four of those. And listen, I, it could happen, but at the same time, I just don't think it's likely, you know what I mean? And, you know, especially, I think the, and you know me, I'm just, if you can play hockey, you can play hockey. But, you know, I think it would be nice if you have a guy like Robertson or Schneider who can play, especially if you feel, if, you know, and Nils Lundqvist, who, who even though he's smaller, is still can play physical and a little bit bigger than his size. You just, to have an ele- another element like that, you know, and that's the thing is that a bunch of these kids can bust or get traded. But the good news is you have so many, so much promise in all these young guys. You just, whoever, whatever cream rises to the top, right? Uh, that's what you take. You know what I mean? So, Absolutely. and Hayek, will he, like, will he be a player in this league eventually? He could, yeah. But is it going to happen in the next two years in New York? I don't think so. Yeah. And, you know, I, I look at the New York Rangers, you know, the future of the New York Rangers defenseman, and it really does seem like it's going to be perfectly paired up. If you, you know, look at, you know, what each uh, deep pairing can bring, uh, you know, a, a physical aspect with, you know, maybe some high end skill. And, you know, right now, you obviously the Fox and Lindgren seem to be locked and loaded as our number one pairing for a long time. And, and, you know, I think that says, you know, a lot about those two players. I mean, Fox obviously is now becoming, and I think it's pretty much known that he's not only just a premier young defenseman, he's just a premier defenseman in the national hockey league. And Lindgren has literally left zero argument of whether or not he should be paired with Fox. And he brings that physical element that, you know, that rough and tough, you know, gritty game that the New York Rangers, you know, so desperately need. And then you have, you know, the Truba, uh, Keandre Miller, you know, pairing, which again, it's like Keandre Miller. It just, I, you know, Andy, looking at Keandre Miller is like, where does he go from here? Like, uh, he's well above what anything I thought he'd be right now in the NHL. But like, what parts of his game are gonna get 
you know, you think better next because right now I'm just so happy with, you know, his development thus far that I haven't really, you know, given it thought on, you know, what Miller could be. You know, the biggest thing for me is because Miller be, especially being uh, a forward for most of his you know time growing up playing hockey and converted to defense real late. He was very fleet of foot and he clearly has offensive instincts and skill and his, his length and his skating has allowed him to be extremely effective snuffing things out in transition with that, with poke checks and long reach. We did see, however, when he got to the NHL, he got exposed on his gap control because again, wasn't even though he's such a good skater, you see him falling down and not used to the speed of getting attacked by NHL quality forwards. And he was getting turnstile. That was adjustment for him. And he was forced, he forces a lot of passes, and, but that's a bunch of young defensemen because they just, the time and space thing, it, it, it messes with them. But you see him getting more comfortable. You see him, he's improved his gaps quite a bit. Uh, even though he's tall, there's a difference between, you know, he, even a, a guy as uh, tall as him and maybe with as much weight as him, you know, he, there's still grown men who are still, you know, 6'2", to, you know, 210, battling with him in the corners and who are just have a little bit more man strength. Well, now he's winning those battles, using his body, using his feet more, and that long stick of his to, he can do this thing where he can be in a board battle. I don't know how he does it, but because he can just, he can naturally give himself a little bit more of a tripod to be, to hold guys off that he can kind of spin out and just pull away after being pinned on the boards and with the puck on his stick. And I'm like, how the hell did he do that? You almost don't know. But then you realize because he's so big and his stick is so long, he can keep, he can keep enough. It's almost like he can with his push off the boards and keep enough uh, distance to give him to get his two feet under him to go up the ice, which other guys who are a little bit smaller or being draped over can't do, but you can't really drape over him because he's so goddamn tall. You know what I mean? So that's what I've seen develop and what you want. Hopefully he can develop is that, you know, in his own end, his puck retrievals can get cleaner and he can just figure out how to use his feet more. So he doesn't have to battle so much, even though now he seems to be getting better at battling. You know what I mean? And that's where I think Truba is kind of unsung and helping him because that's an area where Truba has been pretty good just because he's a heavy guy, but he did clearly have the raw tools that King Andre does. So the sky's the limit for him, obviously. It's just, yeah, he still is raw and has a lot to work on, but we've seen it. And it'll be inconsistent because he still forces bad plays and tries to make feathered backhand passes that get picked off. But then again, Truba does that all the time too, and Hayek and Smith. So it is what it is. But that's where I think his development, I'd like to see him go next. And again, offensively, you see him getting more confident and working his way into the zone and taking shots. Like if you have a whole yeah. team of defensemen who can recover, sneak down like like Fox this season, who can sneak down and join the and create yeah, just create chaos by him coming down and then the other forwards take his spot. Like that's a if you have a whole team of guys that are talented enough to do that, can you imagine like what type of chaos that creates in the zone for teams trying to defend, especially if they're playing like man to man? Like it's real tough. Well that's that's the one aspect of his game that I said I want uh, well that I would have answered the question I want to see more of like develop. Is, you know, and, and I think that has a lot to do with, you know, him being a rookie, him playing a position that uh, is, you know, m more newer than than, you know, he's had experience at. And, you know, going being a defenseman in the NCAA is completely different than being a defenseman in the NHL. I mean, but he almost did it seamlessly, like without any flaws. And like I said, you know, if you told me that this is the product that we were getting from the beginning, I, I, I wouldn't have believed you like at all. And, uh, you know, I, I do want to see more of that offensive flair to his game because you do see signs of it when he, you know, does have a little confidence to bring the puck through the neutral zone. And he's so big and his strides are so powerful that he kind of, you know, deserves a little bit of respect in terms of gap control because, um, you know, if a defenseman's going to step up, he does have, you know, good enough skating where he could, you know, just kind of lean his shoulder into you and maybe drive, drive past you. Or, you know, he has such a, you know, hard, heavy shot that, you know, he's not afraid to take a rip from the top of the circle. So, um, you know, I think, you know, given, give him another two seasons, you know, getting more comfortable playing, you know, uh, the teams around the league instead of just the mass mutual division. Um, I think that confidence and that, you know, offensive game will, will sort of, uh, you know, uh, you know, 
it'll be there, you know, it'll be more of a presence in his overall game. And that'll just make him, you know, that much more dangerous. And, and, uh, you know, and then, you know, the bottom pairing defenseman, I mean, if I, I, I guess if I had a dream, I don't know about you, Andy, but I would kind of want Nils and Schneider pl- kind of playing that bottom pairing defenseman where Schneider is just that, you know, that gritty enforcer where he plays with the, with an attitude and chip on his shoulder. And, and Nils is like that offensive, you know, compliment, um, uh, I, you know, hopefully their their games could translate very well in the NHL and, and, and translate well within the New York Rangers system. And, uh, you know, given the success of, you know, some of the younger guys here, I don't, I don't see why that would be a problem. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. And I mean, you look at the way Lindegren, who is a hard-nosed player, has adapted his game to play with Fox, hence why he's, you know, they're a, such a good pairing in this league right now. One of the, Actually, one of the top pairings in this league right now. And yeah, you can see it kind of you in if imagine you you're kind of imagine a world where you have, uh, you know, an Adam Fox, uh, Nils Lundqvist and a Zach Jones in those or hell, even Kay Andre, because he's uh, up, you know, such a talented you know, puck carrier, at least maybe not so much uh, power, like a like a up the ice quarterback, Yandel, you know, Fox type guy. But at the same time, someone who can use his feet to move the puck up the ice and pairing them with more stout, maybe simpler players like schneider or robertson uh yeah i mean that's what the, the rangers can create three almost like adam fox lindegren esque pairings you know what i mean and that's yeah there's I, you know you look at some of the, the teams that have won the, the cups over the last few years some they've all kind of their decors have all kind of had different makeups but at the they were able to maximize just making sure the pucks got into the offensive zone and however you can do that that's great you know so uh you know, especially with Jacques Martin and the improvements we've seen defensively under him, he, he's definitely seemed to figure out how to get the you know the most out of these guys. And it's just as they get older, it's about this the consistency and confidence and just doing the little things right and not forcing plays because you feel like you have to or you're in danger, just not feeling that same heat. And yeah, you know, and I I think that's the goal. And I you know what form it ultimately will take, we don't know. But the, it's good to have such a you have so many different kicks at the cans and you can experiment and figure this out. You know. Um, and that takes time, but you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, you look at New Jersey when we talked about them trying to, uh, just get better where they're at. Well, they just put Votten in on, on waivers, like who's supposed to be one of their insulating defensemen, you know, like, and yeah, so it's just, it's one of those things that the Rangers are lucky in that they, at least it seems that in this, the mod, at least as things stand today, they have a serviceable core, even though there has been some, some growing pains and warts, you know, or at least, you know, a decor, I should say. Uh, so yeah, the future is bright and they can just, they are kind of spoiled for choice. You know, you hope they make the right choice ultimately, and they don't, it would suck for them to sell one of these guys with a lot of promise and they ultimately, you know, blossom elsewhere or, you know, bring that value to another team. And you don't really like what you get in return but at the same time you know it's one of those things where it's like if it if they win if the big one eventually you know everything's forgiven it is what it is right and you know it's it's almost like the rangers you know are are gonna have to part ways with a few of these players only because they have so many and you know you hope that they make the right choice but you know given what we have so far penciled into our lineup for the for the future near future for certain um you know there's only uh, you know a couple spots left on this roster and there's a, a lot of you know kids right now that are making the case that you know they you know plan on being penciled into this New York Rangers roster uh in the future so uh, it's a great problem to have and you know if you're management and you're looking at all the prospects and you're looking at our roster right now you certainly have to be pleased with the way things are going uh in terms of your prospect and young you know young defenseman development so far uh, you know, just given, you know, the success of, you know, Fox, Lindgren and um, and Miller. And then now, you know, you're looking at, you know, your re- most recent draft picks and, you know, you know, guys like Schneider and stuff like that, which you I hope if you're drafting them in the first round, you're en- envisioning what, you know, that your roster will look like in, you know, two to three years, you know, when those kids, you know, finally get their opportunity to play for the New York Rangers. Um, you know, right now, Andy, we have uh, New York Islanders tonight. Uh, if you're listening to this, the Rangers already played. But, you know, the Rangers have Islanders tonight, and then they have four games against the New Jersey Devils, and then another Islanders game on uh, 
Tuesday. So obviously this might be, and we say this every week again, but this is the most pivotal week uh, of the season and a golden opportunity for us to, you know, uh, not, not just so much about, you know, winning these hockey games, but, you know, making a statement in this division and league uh, as a, not just, not just a, uh, a pesty team that, you know, is tough to play against and can score goals, but a team that wants to be in the playoffs that sees itself as a playoff team. And, uh, you know, a team that, you know, isn't going to go away and deserves to be in discussion and, and not just, you know, just, you know, Oh, we're right below the Philadelphia Flyers. Cause right now everyone's like, you know, Philly's got to make their move now. It's like, well, what about the Rangers? Like Rangers also have to make their move right now. So, you know, you know, what do you think uh, expectations going into this week? You know, so we play the Islanders tonight. Uh, you have to imagine they're going to want some revenge. And obviously they're a good enough team that they can probably get it. So, and then the, you play the Devils four times in a row, who is sold off some some of their more important pieces. But it's if you play the same team four times in a row in this league, it's hard to win all four. So you can argue that they might just not have it one of those games and fluky bounces and lose one of them, right? Just from from the way hockey is, right? So in these next five games, I want them to... I want them to outright win three of them. And one of them, I want them to get a point or win in overtime or the shootout. So if they... Or honestly, if they win three of those games outright and just get a loser point in one of them, so they ultimately drop, you know, they leave three points on the table, it'll sting. But it's honestly with the way hockey is and just the law of averages and just with the way the, the talent the Islanders have and how they'll be looking for revenge, I think that's a, a doable and realistic way to look at it. You know what I mean? That's what I want. Obviously, if you win them all, that'd be great. Or beat the, or at least even if you lose the Islanders, then just beat the Devils outright four times in a row. That would be sweet. But that is very hard to do. So I'm trying to be realistic at, and when I look at it, you know. Listen, yeah, you you can pencil tonight in as a loss. I Here's the actual <laughs> negative Ranger fan in me, but it's, it's a, a realistic Ranger fan in me. You, you saw what Pittsburgh did after they got beat up by the Rangers. I see the Islanders almost doing the same exact thing. Yeah, the, I think I feel like the hockey gods juice the Rangers on your wedding day to yeah. give you some good results. And now it's you're going to, you know, you might I have to pay, pay the, the pipe. Pay the penalty yeah, yeah, I got to, you know, eventually. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> You know, it is what it is. Uh, it, tonight is a bonus point. If they get one point, it's a bonus. If they get two, I mean, geez, that's just icing on the cake. And then, to be honest with you, listen, uh, the next four games against the New Jersey Devils are going to be a statement game. And uh, I know I just said this, but this is a statement to the league, you know, that, you know, we're here. And if you can beat the Devils team, remember, they don't have Paul Mary. They don't have uh, Zajac now. Uh, Nico, he sure has been, you know, in and out of the lineup. Uh, you know, uh, Jack Hughes obviously has been, you know, a good leader on this team, but it's going to be a pesky Devils team. They're always going to be tough to play against no matter what the rosters look like on either side. So, you know, if the Rangers can come away and go 3-0-1 against New Jersey, I think that that would make a huge statement of where they are in a team. And um, it's just, you know, the biggest week in New York Rangers hockey just so happens to have two games against the Islanders and four games, you know, against the New Jersey Devils. So go figure, you know, you, you got to beat your rivals here and, you know, you really got to um, make a statement. And I think that's ultimately what you can expect from the Rangers for the rest of the season. You know, their game will reflect what the rest of the, what you want the rest of the league to think of you. And uh, I hope it's, you know, that uptrend game that we've been, uh, talking about you know where it's uh, a roller coaster but maybe the lows are a little higher this time and you know we can get you know hopefully then over the next week we can get at least eight points and again just close the gap a little bit and then you you live on to see another you know there's what there's another we'll geez. be making these predictions again again yeah exactly you know, instead yeah. of saying instead of saying who you know who effing cares so right and uh just yeah see another day that's it you know that's all you got to do you know get that's points that's well said. Uh, to wrap this one up, I, we'd like to hear the Broadway Boys podcast congratulate uh, Anthony Boteto on the birth of his daughter. We love Tony B on this podcast. You know, he's a 
uh, Long Island boy. And, you know, so congratulations to him, his lovely wife on the, the birth of their daughter. Congratulations to Zach Jones and the UMass Minutemen on winning their first national title, right? I believe it's their first. Um, it was a great yep. game, absolutely dominant. And, you know, they do, do this with their, you know, that they had the best goaltender in the nation and their leading scorer were out with COVID, but they still come together. Uh, the Carvel's a hell of a coach, man, you know, so who knows? We might see him in the, the NHL sooner rather than later because you look at what he's done with that program. Uh, and finally, congratulations to my co-host James uh, on tying the knot. Much happiness now and in the future, and congratulations on you know writing the next chapter of your two story together. Super happy for you, uh, and yeah, hopefully you know the Rangers as a, a you know wedding gift they can deliver the points we ask for coming forward. So James, congratulations again. Uh, yeah, and I'm hoping you're, you're enjoying life right now. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.